Locked On Nationals, episode number 12. Josh Neighbors here tonight joining me, Connor Jones. We have a whole lot to get to. We're going to talk about the pitching of the Washington Nationals, especially the starting pitching so far here in spring training. But first, he and I are going to discuss the excellent job that ESPN did miking up players over the last week. We had so many awesome moments that we want to get to. They're not from the Nationals, but there's just so many good moments that we could not ignore them. So Connor and I will talk about those first. Talk about, hey, what is the future of people being mic'd up, of players being mic'd up? Because it gave us so many excellent moments during the last week. We want to say, hey, could this work long term? Where are the spots that it could work? And how could they execute it, that being ESPN? Or honestly, even the local broadcasts. We want to get to that. We'll get a whole lot more to coming up next here. Locked On Nationals podcast. Hi, everybody. It is the Locked On Nationals podcast, episode number 12. Connor Jones joins me tonight. Connor, we have, um, we've got a lot of Nationals pitching stuff to get to, but first, have you been watching, have you checked out the, the job that ESPN has been doing, and not just ESPN, some of the regional networks as well, uh, of miking up players? Yeah, I think it's been a lot of fun, actually, to see. I think that it's a great idea especially during spring training, a time where, let's be honest, a lot of the games can be a little bit boring and slow and people don't necessarily want to tune in on a Tuesday afternoon. But those clips are good, uh, not just for people that are watching those games live, but people that see them online, see them on Twitter. That kind of makes that stuff, um, it gets people talking about baseball and it gives you a unique perspective, something you don't really see. Players, the thought process during at-bats, that sort of thing. Yeah, and I want to get to some of the, the particulars here in a second, but I want to read something that Buster only said this week, and he was involved in the broadcast that the mic'd up guys. The, the example is this that he gave. He said, uh, the equivalent of dropping a shovel in the ground and touching off of a fountain of oil. And he said that as in you know, the sense of, like, like, like you said, the content. Um, you know, he said, we saw Anthony Rizzo at the improv. We got a portal into Freddie Freeman's baseball mind and humor on a pop-up. And we also listened to Pete Alonso's chatter at first base. So many different instances of so many players that I think we've, we've wanted to connect with, but we've just not been able to, right? You just list three guys, Anthony Rizzo, Freddie Freeman, Pete Alonso, three players that we know are really good. Um, and they gave us really good windows into those guys. Yeah, I thought Anthony Rizzo, listening to him during the at-bat was particularly interesting. I also think Trevor Bauer giving the giving the glove signs while he was pitching <laughs> and then listening to the interviews of, of Reds players was also phenomenal. So I think overall it's been a great thing. I don't know if that's something they could really ever carry over to regular season games or not, but I think certainly for the spring it's a it's a great inside window. Yeah, and I heard Mal, you know, Malik Smith called Ken Griffey Jr. daddish, and I believe that was on a – um, that was on a Mariners uh, like local broadcast, which I thought was really funny. Um, Chris Bryant saying, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, as a pitch came into him. Freddie Freeman saying the wind's blowing out so I can make it home. That was probably the coolest baseball moment I think we got out of all this. I'm not sure we saw that one, but the pop-up scenario goes, that one's the win, that one's the win, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And he ends up making it home, and the two broadcasters, I forget who was calling the game, but all they could do – um, was just laugh. And so, like, that's, those are the moments, right? That's, that's what we're looking for. Those are the non, um, you know, it's just all game moments. That, that is what gives us a window into these guys. And like you said, yes, will it work in the regular season? But those are the moments that make me think it's worth a try. 
Yeah, I guess it's something the Players Association would probably have nice. to sign off on, I'd assume. Um, and I don't know kind of necessarily their thoughts on that and as far as it goes into real games. But with baseball, I think a lot of the issue that some fans have had is that you don't necessarily see that side of the players. You don't see that um, the the way they feel during a game. You don't see them talk about their thoughts during an at-bat, that that side of baseball, which maybe you see more of it in basketball. Um, and I think with, with what's going on there, I think it's a great look. I think it, it's something that's good for fans to see, but with regular season, that's kind of a whole different thing. I don't know if they'd be ready to do that just yet. So you would you wouldn't want to see because I was I was talking well, to the corporate coast would, the as a fan I definitely want to see it I right. just don't know if a, if players necessarily want to be talking during an at bat during a real game that counts. Well, I'll give you a good point. The other day, Corbett Koslack, you know, one of the guys we have on this podcast, we were, we were talking. And he said, "Hey, look, six two game. Why not mic up the left fielder, right?" And he said, "We're seeing a lot of what they're doing, and uh, you know, the XFL, and you know, the XFL. Well, I don't love the player interviews." They, we've had a lot of moments where today, they're, you know, the DC Defenders game I'm watching, and we get the look inside replay where you know uh, I was watching with some casual football fans. They said, "Hey, that was awesome. I, I love the look inside replay." And, I, and, I'm, and I'm not trying to compare the two, but once you start down this road, maybe it does give you a window into things like replay because I baseball replay much maligned. We you know we, there are people who are still on the side of human error when it comes to baseball replay. I'm not saying I love the idea of Mike the players all the time, but maybe the idea of more access could yield us moments like we had today during the Defenders game where casual football fans, i.e. casual baseball fans, are saying, oh, I like talking to Anthony Rizzo. Oh, I liked hearing about the reviews. I think anytime a league is more receptive to the ideas of what can we do to get closer, not just to the players, but to the game, to the calls, I'm all for it. I think, I, I, and I know what you're saying about the Players Association, but don't you think we need to push for this? Don't you think as fans we should push for it so we can get a bit closer? I do like it from the perspective of I think a lot of the things that Rob Manfred has tried to implement are catered towards fans that don't actually like baseball rather than, <laughs> rather than fair, yeah. casual fans that do, that do like it but maybe don't tune in super regularly. I think something like this, you don't, you don't upset your your diehard fans but you also can actually cater to that casual crowd i definitely i definitely think that's a possibility i like it a lot i just it's tough to say as someone that's not a player their thoughts on it i think you definitely have to hear their input before before forcing it down their throats but you know if they're if they're accepting to it and willing to give that kind of thing a try i think it would be outstanding and they seem to be enjoying it one more thing i want to note on this before we move on is I really did like the moment of, and I forget who they're miking up. I think it was in Drelton Simmons um, for the Angels that got miked up. A-Rod was translating, I I think. I thought that was really important for, um, I I think it's important for Latin American baseball players to to be able to express themselves because I think oftentimes we have these stars in, in our league and um, it can be difficult, you know, for 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 you know American fans to connect them. And, and I don't want to rag. This is not, I'm not ragging on them for not knowing English. 
I'm a huge mixed martial arts fans, uh, fan. There's a lot of fighters who don't know English and have to use translators. That's totally cool. But I like translators because that's a great moment that allows us to get closer. I think the closest I've felt to some of the players sometimes is when, you know, Masahiro Tanaka's translator is, is one of his closest, you know, colleagues, I guess you could say. And he's always with him when he walks the mound. I think that part, too, a real area for growth and expansion, I think it's something positive that, that maybe, hey, this could allow us to get closer to foreign-born players. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I, having someone that can translate that's definitely definitely good from the perspective of it gives fans an opportunity to not just see the, the thoughts and minds of the American players that are where English is their first language, but you can see it um, from foreign players as well. And obviously there's a lot of those across the league that are favorite players of the fans and that they want to see what they have to say during a game. I think, I think that's something that's awesome to see. I, I think that it's just, it's a big step. It's a big change. We've seen it in all-star games. So spring training is not, not necessarily much different from that. Right. But, it, once you cross that line over to, to real games, it's a whole different thing. So I don't think it's something we'll see it, particularly anytime soon, but maybe down the line as players become more comfortable with that and have more experience with it in spring training games, maybe it's something we see implemented. Uh, and so now moving on to Nationals talk, let's talk some pitching. Um, you know, it's so funny. I was talking about this the other day with, with somebody and I said, you know, I saw one thing that said, hey, look, Nationals pitchers, have been rocky. And then I listened to the beginning of the Buster Only podcast, and he said, hey, here's Max Scherzer striking out, I believe it was five guys in his debut, but he gave up two or three runs. It's a matter of perspective, right, on a lot of these spring training starts, about what are you looking for in your pitcher's starts? Guys, a lot of times, pitchers are trying to work on new things. Maybe they're working on a new pitch. Maybe they're working on a new wind-up, stuff that they're not comfortable with. So I don't think you can get caught up in the stats. I think a pitcher themselves and their coaching staff probably has a much better idea of, you know, how they're feeling, how their start went uh, than the fans do. I think the fans may look at a, at a box score in a spring training game and think, Oh, Scherzer had a rough day today. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Maybe there's times where he didn't necessarily give up, up a run, but he didn't feel good about the way he threw the ball that day. It's, it's just totally different. I mean, you see Joe Ross out there, he's working on a changeup now. You know, that's that's different from what we've seen from him in the regular season. So maybe there's some rough patches with that, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Joe Ross is the guy that I'm not sure how you feel, but I mean, I think a lot of Nationals fans expect him to be the number five. And so you want to see him working on that pitch, considering what we've seen from a guy like Joe Ross. Look, he needs that pitch. That's a pitch that he's got to have if he's going to hold down the back end of the, of the rotation, right? Right. As a fifth starter, you don't want somebody that only has two pitches. It's just, it's tough to get through the lineup multiple times if you only have two pitches. That's typically something that you see out of a reliever. And Ross is really a guy that has not thrown the ball well out of the bullpen in his career. So he's had more success as a starter. And I think he actually, he pitched well at the end of last year. I think even in his World Series start, he gave up some runs, but a lot of it was just a couple bad pitches for the most part. I, he really pitched a good game. And so I think Ross is definitely the guy that's the favorite for that job right now. And when you look at your fifth starter, you want that change up to come along because it's just tough to get by as a two pitch pitcher. And I'm not sure the other options outside of Ross are really going to take a, a firm hold on that spot. So I think it's Ross's to lose. And, and because of that, you hope he gets a third pitch. Yeah, and we saw him yesterday. I mean, he look, he threw 24 pitches in an inning. He had two two-out walks, but he somehow 
got out of the inning with, with no runs surrendered. And look, his back end spot is something that we've talked about a bunch. And another guy who's not making a push, but I guess he's the safety net of injury or whatever. Our guy, Eric Fettywop. He is right there in the back end. Uh, three to three innings today, two hits, two walks, three strikeouts. But what we're looking for for him is consistency, right? I mean, that's what you want always in the back end. From him especially, that is the guy that need, I think this spring training needs to show that, look, can we trust you if we need to call on you to make starts? Fetty's a guy where one inning he's, he's good, the next inning he's not throwing the ball where he wants to and he's walking guys. And it's just it's kind of an up-and-down ride. And until that gets sorted out, it's tough for me to see him being the fifth starter. It, he has talent to be a rotation guy on a major league team. I think we've seen that at different points during his career, but I think today's start was really a, a prime example of that because he he ha- he throws the ball well for certain times, and then he comes out the next inning and, and he struggles to throw strikes, and he walks guy, he puts them on, and then ends up giving up a run that is essentially a free run given up just because he put the man on base. And until Fetty figures that out, it's, it's going to be tough for David Martinez and Mike Rizzo to trust him as a fifth starter when you have a guy like Joe Ross who's, who's really had a solid spring so far. Yeah, Joe Ross is definitely the back end. And for Fetty, it's more about, look, can we trust you? Because inevitably, I mean, you got five guys throwing a baseball, not a natural motion. Somebody's going to get hurt. Do you trust Eric Fetty as the guy you can, hey, bring in? Because, look, I, I know he's a sixth guy, so naturally it's not like that guy is the most trustworthy individual. But there's a lot of we've seen a lot of teams that have been able to bring in guys and look one of the division two I'd bring you know the New York Mets have had no problem and honestly honestly they've been more successful sometimes when they bring in guys like a Lugo or like a Gazelman. Do you trust Fetty to be that guy you can bring in for a spot start or for a guy who can take up the back end of the rotation in case of an injury? Yeah, I think you trust him. You can you trust him for a start. I don't know if right now they trust him for thirty starts. If somebody goes down, I don't think so. Yeah. If somebody goes down, Fetty's not a bad fill-in option. Neither's Austin. Both he's he's pitched well at times right. too. Yep. Both well those guys, I think you feel comfortable with them filling in. I think that having seven guys who you're comfortable with starting a game is a good thing. You can Mike Rizzo says it all the time. You can never have too much pitching. But I think the answer to do they trust Fetty as a spot starter versus do they trust Fetty as a full-time number five rotation guy is a different answer. Uh, and one more thing before we get out of here, Austin Voth. What have we seen? What have you seen from him this spring? Because, right, like you said, he's one of those guys too that's competing for the, one of those not back end places, but the ability to come up and, and make a start and and be the guy who can take that spot. And he's going to throw, in my opinion, some pretty consequential innings for the Nationals this year. Yeah, Austin Voth was a guy who pitched really well last year. I mean, you look at a three point three ERA across forty three innings pitched, eight starts nine total games that's not a ton of action but it's enough to to show that he made a positive impact over over that time there he struck out 44 guys over 43 and two-thirds innings his velocity was up from where it had been previously in the minor leagues so I think Austin Voth is a guy that you may see in the bullpen and see pitching out of that long relief role early in the season and I think that if somebody does happen to get hurt in the starting rotation he's a guy maybe it's Fetty maybe it's Voth but you he's definitely an option there he's also an option out of the bullpen where he has some experience as well all right Connor last thing before we get out of here um look two nights of the bachelor finale I mean when we get to Tuesday night and this is by all accounts the internet we don't know who's gonna bring it home so on Tuesday night is Peter the pilot engaged what is his status what do you think goes down 
I, I'm I'm just going to take a, a wild guess. I'm going to say that he is currently dating Madison, not engaged. I, I'm with you, too. I'm with you, too. By all accounts, her dad's not pleased with Pilot Pete's performance. So we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think dating, not engaged. All right, Connor, thank you so much. We'll catch up with you later this week. All right, appreciate it, Josh.